Take your copy of the Scriptures, would you? Turn with me to 2 Timothy. We tried to fashion the service this morning to direct our thinking to the Word, the power of the Word, the sufficiency of the Word, the living Word, Jesus Christ. And so now we come before the Word of God together, and I want you to open your copy of God's Word before your eyes this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to come back to the verse we began looking at last week and add another verse this week. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9. 2 Timothy 2 verses 8 and 9. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, says Paul to Timothy. And Paul the church by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, for which I am suffering. As preached in my gospel, he says in verse 8, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Father, we bow our hearts and heads before you today. We pray that you would take your word and fashion it in our hearts so that it might make us more and more glorifying to you each day. That we might spread the gospel, the power of your word to people who desperately need to hear it with the way that we live and speak and do our work that you've given us to do for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been looking at Second Timothy written from the life of a strong Christian, that being Paul. Paul is a wonderful model for us of what a strong Christian should be because he faced about everything there could be to face and came out as a shining example of faithfulness to Christ. And as Paul was awaiting his execution for preaching the gospel, which he pointed to here in these verses we read, he's seeking to encourage Timothy with this letter. He's seeking by extension to encourage the church as well because Timothy is going to take this letter to the church and then the Holy Spirit, having planned this, inspired Paul to write these words for us as well. So we've been looking at how Paul was encouraging Timothy to be a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, a powerful and strong and faithful example to the church. And we've been learning and applying these truths to our own lives as Christians These truths are for us today. We should be and we can be strong and faithful, faithful to the end for God's glory. But how is it that Timothy is supposed to be strengthened and and encouraged and courageous to serve Christ faithfully? Well, we've been looking at that, and what we noted last week was that Christians have a special power at their disposal. They have a special power made very clear and evident Because Jesus Christ lives today, we learned last time that we must know, we must believe in the resurrection of Christ, of which we just celebrated. We celebrate Jesus Christ shed blood for us, but in in the Lord's Supper we also celebrate the fact that He lives. He lives, and He eternally lives, and He lives for our sake as well. And what a precious reminder we have before us this morning that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which points to the power of God, It's because God has power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. 
That we have power to live for Him. And Timothy had power to take these words that were meant to be an encouragement to him to point him back to his source of power. So we learn that we must know, we must believe in the resurrection of Christ which points to that power of God toward, toward us, toward all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we noted that Christians can have the same strength that Paul knew because of Christ. Specifically, we noted last time because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, Christians today can have the same power that Paul was trying to encourage Timothy to have. You might think, well, you know, these words were written so many years ago, so long ago. How is it these words written to Timothy to encourage him and written to encourage the church? How is it that these truths can encourage us today and strengthen us today? And how can we know that these are good for us? Because Jesus Christ lives today. And this is the living Word. Jesus Christ, the living Word, gave us His living Word in print. And we find great encouragement and hope and promise from the printed Word that God has been so blessed. We've been so blessed to give, be given by God. And not only that, but He has blessed us with His Holy Spirit that when we drink in the Word, He takes the Word and uses it to fashion us in His image day by day, becoming more and more Christ-like when we're obedient to the Word. But not only that, He empowers us. He empowers us to live boldly and courageously for Him. So Timothy could take these words from Paul and be encouraged because of the Word. And we can take these words from Paul and be encouraged because of the Word because we have access to the same power that we find here in this Word. The power of God to embolden and encourage us to live for Christ daily because, because of some things we noted last week. Let me just remind you what we talked about last week just quickly here. Our justification has been verified. You realize that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered and died so that we might be justified, made right with God. And our justification has been verified. Jesus Christ, it says in Romans 4.25, was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And because He is raised, we can know that our justification is verified. We are right in God's eyes when we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, we also have here a demonstration of God's power toward us. How is it that we can take the words from, from 2 Timothy who were written to Timothy and written to the church? Because, well, these were written to us as well. God inspired Paul to write these words. These were intended for the church. But they're, but they're even more meaningful for us because we know the power that backs these words. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And Jesus' resurrection demonstrates God's power toward us. Let me just show you how in just a few verses here. The powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead of Colossians 2.12 is the same power that we're told of in Philippians 2.13 that works in that works in who? Works in God's children, right? Works in His children both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And it's the power spoken of in Philippians 4.13 that reminds us God's children can do what? Can do all things through Him who strengthens them, right? Because when we live to please the Lord, He empowers us to do all the things that are pleasing to Him. And the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that we see in Ephesians 3.20 that is at work within us. Within who? Within God's children, right? It's the same power that's at work within God's children. It's the power that was, that was available to Timothy then and is available to God's children now and will be as long as the Lord tarries, available to God's children who are living. 
believing the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of Christ's resurrection, we have hope concerning our own resurrection and eternal life. Because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, His resurrection proves our resurrection. It gives us hope that we have an eternity with Christ. It says 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And our faith and hope are in God for the resurrection of believers because of the resurrection of Christ. It's certain. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of this, Because of this, the resurrection of Jesus also demands our complete loyalty to Christ. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for you and me, there's an implication here which demands that we give our loyalty to Christ. So you can either choose to make yourself loyal to Christ, or you can choose to reject what Jesus Christ has done for you. I challenge you to choose the former. We've got to be loyal to Christ because of all that He has done for us. Not because we deserve it, but because He has been gracious to give us forgiveness of sin, cleansing us, making us new, giving us eternal life through Jesus Christ. God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. Jesus Christ was raised and exalted to become our Lord. And He should be our Lord. We should humble ourselves before Him. Ephesians 1.23 reminds us that, that God put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church. He is the head. We're called the body of Christ. And thank goodness we have the head Christ. And we ought to humble ourselves before Him. And our lives and our service belong to Him. Romans 14 verses 7 and 8 reminds us that that whether we live or die, no matter what we face, we are the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are to live for Him. No matter what we face, we ought to live for Him. And Christians can do that. Christians can live for Him. No matter what we face, we can live courageously, we can live boldly today because Jesus Christ lives today, and the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in those who are children of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead can enable you to live for Jesus this week. Sometimes we forget about that, don't we? And we think, I can't say anything for Jesus today, I just can't do it. Boy, if they if I if they see me living this way, they're gonna they're gonna make fun of me and ridicule me, right? Young people, right? Right? Adults in the workplace, right? And sometimes we, we we get scared and we think we don't. We, I just don't have what it takes to live for Christ in, in the face of people. I, I'll be a closet Christian. Nobody has to know. No, no. God's word says everybody has to know. People need to know that you're a follower of Christ and you can live boldly and courageously today for the Lord Jesus Christ and tomorrow and the next day as long as the Lord tarries because of the power that is at work within you demonstrated in the resurrection of Jesus. But we also discover there's more power available to us. 
We also discover in our passage this morning that we are to live boldly and courageously for Christ because of the power of the Word of God. Look at the contrast here that Paul makes in the verses that we just read, verses 8 and 9. Look at them again. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, says Paul, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. And here's the contrast. But the word of God is not bound. First, Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Don't ever forget, don't ever forget Jesus Christ risen from the dead. There's your power, Timothy. There's your power, Christian, demonstrated in the resurrection of Christ. But there's more here that ought to embolden and encourage us as we leave this place today to go out into a world that is hostile to Christ and hostile your faith in Lord Jesus Christ. Paul points to the fact that he is bound in chains, doesn't he? You see that? He says, hey, I'm I'm bound in chains. He's a prisoner for preaching the gospel, and he uses this to make a powerful contrast. the The contrast is the difference between human limitations and divine limitations. The difference between human limitations and divine limitations. He's, he's pointing to the difference between the limitations of human beings, and we have limitations, don't we? And the, the fact that there are no limitations for the divinely inspired Word of God. You see, Paul was a servant of Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean that he didn't have human limitations. He does have human limitations. We have human limitations, just like, well... I don't think about how the, um, anybody watched the hockey game last night? Red Wings, right? Nothing stopping them last night, right? Five to zip. They look powerful. They are powerful, right? How about those Red Wings? To steal a line from my elder brother who, who pastors a church in the Detroit area, the, the Red Wings are kind of like the Buckeyes of hockey. They're so good. I knew you'd like that. And he told me that. I said, I got to use that too. They are so good, but they really aren't that good. You know why? Because the last game they lost, right? They got clobbered. I only sound like a hockey fan. I just watched the final, the last, you know, what, seven games, right? Like a lot of people do. Last night, they looked like they were supermen. The game before, they didn't. Why? Because they're human beings, right? They're limited in, in their power and their abilities, And that's Paul. Paul's powerful for Jesus Christ. He is commissioned by Christ. He is sent by God. Can I just challenge you with something right now? Think about this. We we revere Paul, and we should. We have much of the New Testament because of Paul's faithfulness and the inspiring Holy Spirit who worked through Paul to pen a lot of what we have in the New Testament. How grateful we ought to be. But do you realize that that... Paul is no different than you or me in that he had human limitations. He had human weaknesses. The difference being that he was empowered by God and that you too can have that same empowering from God if you will be obedient to God's Word. If you will focus on the power of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit and then humble yourself before the Lord. You see, Paul was no superhuman 
He points to it. So here, I mean, look at it. He's, here's here writing. He's in prison, right? And we've noted it before. Likely the last letter, the last letter we have from him, likely the last thing he writes to Timothy before we think that in the next days or weeks he's executed. Why was he executed? Why was he executed? Why was his life taken from him? Because he was preaching the gospel. He says so in more than one place. We have it here in the passage we read this morning. He's preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was in prison for that. It's not like he had murdered anyone. It's not like he was a thief. He was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. Now, if Paul were superhuman, why would he allow himself to be taken prisoner? Right? Why would he allow that? I mean, I certainly, if I were capable of keeping myself out of jail and somebody wanted to jail me for preaching the word and I was superhuman and I would say, you know, just boom, like I put up a little, like those beautiful little force fields in movies, like boom, bounce off of me. I'm going over here to preach the gospel. Boom, you're bouncing off of me, right? Paul couldn't do that and you, you and I can't do that. But there is a power available to us that is supernatural and that's what Paul is pointing to. I just want to add here, Paul's not complaining about his imprisonment, okay? Paul is not complaining about his imprisonment. He's using it as a graphic illustration of the difference between the power of human beings and the power of the Word. People can be fear-filled, right? And you know this, as, as I do, we can be people of fear. We can be people who get scared, who get nervous, who get anxious. We can even... Heaven forbid we could be imprisoned. Or, or what's the worst thing that we could think of that could happen to us on earth? We could be killed, right? And I just challenge you that if you're a follower of Christ, it's not so bad. Because then you're in glory. With God in eternity. That's hard for us to face, isn't it? We, we would say, no, thank you. Don't kill me. And I'm with you. Don't kill me. But if that happens to us, right? Those who are Christ, we have a, a heavenly hope an eternal promise. But the point is, humans have limitations, right? We, we get nervous. We get anxious. We get uptight. Sometimes we worry. Sometimes we face a severe hardship. Sometimes we're physically incapable. But the Word is not. People may be, may, people may be imprisoned, but the Word cannot be. People may be bound. You might be bound by fear, but the Word cannot be stopped. Let me tell you about the power of the Word this morning. The Word of God, for one thing, is living and abiding. 1 Peter 1.23 points to this, that the Word lives and remains forever, it abides forever. 1 Peter 1.23, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. This is why we can be certain that we are kept by Christ. When we give our lives to Christ and we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, He keeps us because it's not something we do, it's something He has done. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. In fact, this reminds us that our salvation is due to the living and abiding Word of God, meaning all of Scripture, but especially the saving message of the Gospel. Saving message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that helps us understand our need for Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for us. The Word of God is also living and active. Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is living and active. 
could also add a few things here. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, which points to this about the power of the Word. It has the power to change lives. The Word has the power to change lives. It has the power specifically to change the hearts of believers. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ today? It has the power to change your heart and change your life. Paul wrote of the power of the Word to change the heart of believers in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In verses 11-13, through 13, he says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you. And I emphasize those three words. We exhorted you. We exhorted. We encouraged. And we charged you. With what? I'm going to suggest with the Word because of verse 13. We're going to look at just a moment. So we exhorted each of you and we encouraged you and we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. And then verse 13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God... That's why I say that's what he's talking about when he says we exhorted, we encouraged, and we charged you. So we could read it like this, verse 12. We exhorted each of you, and we encouraged you, and we charged you, to verse 13, that when you received the Word of God which you heard from us. It wasn't like they were just chewing them out, right? Like I'm prone to do with my children at times. Just chew them out, right? Just stand here and take it for five minutes because you're going to be sorry you did that. I'm looking five minutes from now, you're going to be really sorry you did that, right? Parents are good at that, right? We we just go, 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 go. Chew chew the kids out. The kids are like, just spank me and get it over with. Please, it'd be better than this. And that's what my kids look sometimes. Please, quit talking. That's not what they were doing. They were just chewing them out. They were giving them the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, right? Back to Hebrews 4.12. Sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, and joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So when we look at what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 11-13, through we exhorted, we encouraged, we charged you, that when you receive the Word of God, verse 13, which you heard from us, you, here's your part, here's my part when we come to the Word, you, it says, accepted it. Not as the Word of men, but as what it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you, believers. You see, the Word of God is powerful to change the hearts and minds and lives of believers. But you know what? You have a part to play in this. You have to accept it. You have to accept God's Word. You have to listen to God's Word. You have to take it in and say, I believe that. That may be really hard for me. That may be really painful for me. But I believe that's God's Word. I know I better obey it. You see, I believe the only reason you get anything out of anything I say is because of the power of the Word of God. And I know you agree. right? Sometimes you go, man, I don't know if I can get anything out of what he's saying today. But I trust, I trust that God's Word is powerful to help you take in His truth 
and make something of the mess I make at times. I can't tell you how many times I step down from here and walk to the back and I think, oh man, I just laid a great big egg. That stunk. A lot of guys feel that way, so that really encourages me when I hear the guys who I think are really good and they say the same thing. It's like, wow, I thought I was the only one who stunk. And then I go to the back, and you, you folks are so gracious at times. You know, every once in a while, there's when I think I really stunk, there's somebody who says, that would just, I you know, thank you. That was powerful. I'm thinking, that wasn't me. You weren't listening to me because you weren't listening to me preach because I stunk today, right? Which is typical, right? No, you don't have to. Please don't. Thank you. But I'll tell you, I believe this. Otherwise, I wouldn't bother to get up here. That the only reason you get anything out of anything that I bring to you is because I want to, and I try to very hard to bring you the Word of God. And if you're willing, and if you will listen, God will speak to you. It is a supernatural thing that I, that I willingly admit that I cannot be a part of. I can't be a part of it if I'm faithful to the Word and I bring the Word. Now, please don't misunderstand. I, I'm not suggesting that we can be lazy when we preach and that I should just get up here and flop the Bible open and wing it. And so I study. I try to be prepared, even though sometimes I don't feel very well prepared. And when I leave, I feel like I didn't prepare very well because I felt like it didn't do very well. But God's so gracious to take His Word and, and send it to our hearts when we receive it, when we listen to it. I challenge and encourage you, prepare yourself for the Word. Don't prepare yourself for me. Prepare yourself for the Word. Don't prepare yourself for the teacher, the preacher, for any person you listen to who brings you the Word. Prepare yourself to hear God speak to you through His Word, and He will. God's Word has the power to change the lives of believers. And God's Word is powerful to change the heart of believers. So not only must we preach the Word, but we must, we must have ears that hear. Hearts that are willing to accept God's Word. So the Word of God has, has power to change the heart. And it has power to equip the saints to deal with whatever they face. That includes us. And the Word of God also has the power to change the hearts of unbelievers. Praise God. The Word has the power to change the hearts of unbelievers. The Word has power to change your heart if you're a follower of Christ, but also has the power to change the heart of your neighbor who is an unbeliever, or your son or daughter or your family member, your parent or grandparent, whoever it is, your coworker. The Word of God has the power to change the hearts of unbelievers, says Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes. In Acts chapter 11, verses 13 and 14, Send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved. What message was that? That was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that he was going to preach. See, the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Word, is powerful to change the lives of unbelievers, to change the thinking and change the hearts of unbelievers. Note, too, that the Word of God also has the power to guard the believer's heart and mind. has the has the, the ability to change us and make us more and more Christ-like. also has the ability to save us when we believe 
And so we ought to be messengers, we ought to be heralds of the gospel as we go out into this community to live and speak the word of God, know the word so much that it oozes from us, right? So people will hear the gospel and be saved, but it also has the ability to change our hearts and minds and the way we think, which is so necessary today. You see, the believer who reads and dwells on and seeks on God's Word to understand it faithfully, to applying it to themselves, God's Word will, will have a way of impacting your thinking and changing your heart and mind. See, God, God takes His Word and equips you and guards your thinking and guards your heart and guards your conduct when you take in the Word and obey it. Because, you know, whatever fills your mind is going to shape your thinking. If your mind and heart isn't being filled with God's Word, then you're not going to be equipped to think biblically and you're going to be ill-equipped to live biblically. And I challenge you today, if you were to argue with me about, well, I don't have to live biblically, I just have to know something about God's Word. I can live with common sense and get by in this world. Well, you might, but you desperately need the wisdom of God's Word to get by a right, to get by the right way. You may think you're getting by in this world without the Scriptures, but you desperately need to have your your thinking shaped by God's Word. Philippians 4.8 reminds the believer to think on those things that are right and honorable that are found only in the precious and powerful Word of God. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Where do you find things of excellence and things that are worthy of praise and things that are lovely and commendable and pure? Where do you find those things? You don't find them in the world. You do not find the things of of God being honored in the world, do you? You do find them in the Word. And because the Word of God is powerful, the implication for us is this. Our attitude toward God's Word ought to be like that of... I think it's a wonderful illustration of what our attitude should be like. It ought to be like that of the prophets and the kings in First Kings 22 who called for prophets. They were kings who were preparing to go to war and called for prophets to come. And, and verse 5 of First Kings 22 says that they called for prophets to speak the Word of the Lord. That's wise. Speak the Word of the Lord, prophets. And then there was a prophet who came and declared that he only would speak what the Lord gave him. He only would speak what the Lord spoke to him. And I challenge you that that ought to be your attitude and my attitude. That ought to be our attitude. That we ought to come to those those we call to say, come and speak to us, to teach us the Word. Our Sunday school teachers, our pastors and preachers and missionaries and people who come in to minister the Word. And I suggest that the things that you read that are devotional in nature, the things that you read to shape your thinking about God's Word, the times you turn on the television to listen to a person who's going to preach. And I put quotes around it because not everybody really preaches the Word. And the radio you listen to to listen to preaching, you'd better make sure that you're saying to them, give me God's Word. I want to hear what God has to say. That ought to be the filter through which you choose to whom you should listen to. Are they saying what God says? And those who preach and teach, are, 
our Sunday school teachers and your pastor and our missionaries and those who come in to teach and preach us the Word, their, their desire ought to be, I only want to tell you what God says. That ought to be our attitude. We ought to also be like the Bereans who receive the Word of God and search the Scriptures daily for the truth. We see them in Acts 17, verses 11 and 12, where it says of them, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the Word with all eagerness. There it is again. They received the Word. Are you receiving God's Word? They received the Word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. Many of them believe. Why? Because they received the Word. And God's Word has the power to change the hearts of unbelievers so that they will believe. They receive the Word, and God's Word has the power to change the hearts and to guard the heart and thinking of believers who will receive the Word. God's Word cannot be bound. So live the Word. Depend upon the Word. Let your heart and mind be changed by and shaped by the Word of God, and you will see the power of God at work in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, and in God's church, because He's changing you. See, individually, we have a responsibility to come before God's Word and receive it. Take it in and say, I only want to hear what God says. And those who teach and preach had better come before you and say, we only want to speak what God speaks in His Word. And when you take in the Word, it will change your life. And you will have the abilities, the God-given abilities to go powerfully to speak to others about the love of Christ. And the Word of God that you speak to them has the power to change their lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I come before you this morning so grateful, so thankful for your love for us, your mercy on us in giving us the Lord Jesus Christ and in giving us your word. Lord, I pray today that you would help us as we go our separate ways today. That you would help us to, to not leave without this, this great encouragement that your word is powerful to change our hearts and minds and to help us to have right thinking in a world that is not right, influenced by your word, not the world. God, I pray that you would help us as followers of Christ to realize the power of your word to encourage and equip and embolden us to to share the gospel with unbelievers who desperately need to hear of Jesus Christ so that they too might be changed by the power of the word. God, I pray that you would help us as a church, as the body of Christ, to be bold and courageous whatever comes our way, no matter what happens, that we would never stop preaching your word for your glory for the Christ-likeness of God's people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.